Hey, you fuckers. You want to hear about the first time I met Bunny? Okay, so the first time I met Bunny was in public at a coffee shop, like I said that I was going to do last time. And I was insanely nervous and irritated at how busy it was. So I warned him that there were, like, a lot of people there before he even got there. And his response was, and I quote, It's okay. I know how to clear a room. (laughs) Okay. So coming from him, this did not make me feel any better. Mind you, I had finally done a whole lot of research on this guy and figured out his whole life story, basically. What he went down for, how long he was a fugitive for, how long he was in prison for, how what he's done after prison, like all that stuff. I had the lowdown, and I even had questions prepped. That's how into this I was. So he walks in, all confident, puts his coat on the chair, and before I can say a word. He launches into this insane story. So he walks in the coffee shop and just boom into a story. His voice and tone, mind you, are perfection. Low and seductive and engaging. The kind of voice that you expect to hear on the radio or a news broadcaster or like a salesman. He is the perfect online guru selling you something you don't need. Okay? Okay. And this story is not told quietly. No. And it is about an FBI raid he suffered through. He walks in this cafe. He puts his coat on the chair. Summer of 2011, I was woken up at 8 a.m. by FBI's busting down the door. <laughs> what? To this day, he is still the best storyteller I know, and I was just blown away, right? My mind is boggled. When he finished, it took me a solid 10 seconds for me to, like, catch up to, like, to the present and realize that my mouth was hanging open. I literally felt like somebody had just dumped ice water on my head. It was not good. It was not, it was not great to start this day off, but he saved me because at that moment when he finished the story, he left to go get coffee. <laughs> So I had a solid, like, two minutes to, like, regroup. But anyway, the conversation from there went literally everywhere from business to travel tips. He told me so many stories. One of my favorites I'm never going to forget. He picked up this chick one time and just up and went to Miami. When they were there, he realized how horrible this woman was, decided he couldn't handle it, and fucking left her. I heard this, and I'm sitting across the table from him, gaping. Like, how the fuck could you do that to someone? And he's like, well, here's the thing. I'm sorry. But especially with traveling, never put yourself in a situation you can't leave because of stuff like that. Red flag? Absolutely. Did I care? Okay, I cared a tiny bit. Probably not enough. He was a master at the game he was playing. He has mastered social interactions, communications, and reading people. And he understands psychology probably on a creepy level well. He knows how to handle himself in public. He knows how to manipulate social interactions. And he knows how to read people really well. And, like, he has studied communication. I talked to him about this on length, how he got so good where he got these skills, and he learned his psychology and his social interactions during his time in prison. He read, like, a ton of books. 
when he was in prison. And then he's just like, and then it's just trial and error. You try something in a social interaction. If it doesn't work, you learn from it. If it does work, great. You learn from it. But he has spent years just trying different ways to interact with people and to get things to go in the direction that he wants, and he's mastered it. You know, like walking up to a random person and saying, I'm so fucking mad at you. (laughs) That is a skill that has been truly lost by this day and age, I feel like. People, People rely on technology so much that they don't practice this this banter with people and and understanding body language and in-person interactions and how to manipulate them and how to use them. I mean, for everybody's benefit, it's so much more enjoyable when you're interacting with somebody and they can create this kind of atmosphere in the conversation and they can keep it going and it's just back and forth, you know, and a lot of people have lost that today. Surprisingly, the conversation stayed PG the entire night. He never once tried seducing me. And afterwards, I realized I was pretty fucking disappointed. (laughs) Um, totally intentional on his end. Because I got back, and I was like, shit, I really want to fuck this guy. (laughs) So that leads me to the first time we fucked. (laughs) The first time we fucked, my head went fuzzy in the first two seconds. Mm -hmm. At this point, I want to be clear... We had talked about and sexted and shared enough porn with each other that, you know, he pretty much knew how much of a freak I was. It was a pretty safe bet. So I'll never forget, I went to his hotel, and this is the second time we hung out. So the only other time we hung out was at the coffee shop. And he mentioned getting on the roof that you can see from outside of his hotel, and he goes over to the window to show me. And the conversation kind of starts going in different directions, and I make a joke that I'm a cop. His response, you know how I can tell you're not a cop? In the smoothest possible way, he continues, because you'll enjoy this too fucking much. He grabs the collar of my shirt and drags me up towards him for this hella intense kiss then he fucking moves me by my throat over towards the bed and here i have to pause because i have to give him hella credit without changing the mood or the dynamic he turns me around hand on my throat and quietly but firmly in my ear he says you know you don't have to do any of this you can stop at any time and you need to communicate your needs with me and he made me vocalize my consent and my agreement, and my understanding of this before we continued. Like, yo, to be able to do that without changing the mood or the dynamic or the feelings going on in that smooth of a way, priceless. This, at this point in my life, was the most dominative sex that I'd ever had. He just went for it. At this point, I was too shy to, like, admit I was into some things like like name calling and humiliation and that kind of stuff and he just fucking did it and it was the hottest shit oh my god I mean he name called he slapped me he choked me the best part he made me humiliate myself I didn't know that this was even possible back then I was like oh what is going on oh my god basically 
he had this thing where he liked to hear stories about how slutty somebody is. So he had me on my back, my head's off the bed, he's face-fucking me. And he's like, tell me about the last time this happened to you. He would shove his cock down my throat, and then he'd bring it out, and I'd be, like, gasping for air, and I'd be, like, trying to tell a story at the same time, failing miserably. And I got a little stressed out because I was trying to think of a story while my head was fuzzy, and I wasn't prepared for this. So that was kind of stressful. But at the same time, hottest thing ever. He was name-calling and making fun of me and stuff while I was telling that story, like humiliating me to the nines. It was insane. I had never experienced that before. I'd never had the balls to tell somebody that I was into that before. (sighs) Which I want to talk about this subject because for me, admitting to myself that I was into humiliation was really difficult until I understood the psychology and the reasonings behind being into this. And until I understood just how fucking common this is. So when you understand why you're into it, it makes it a lot easier to um, come to terms with and to embrace. And then you can enjoy it. So interestingly enough, there are many reasons and angles that play a part of like enjoying erotic humiliation, right? And it actually simulates the same regions of the brain that pain does. Humans evolved to remember social rewards and punishments just like physical ones because they both matter. But the actual thing I want to talk about is how humiliation is ego reduction. This is why I like it personally, and this is probably the main reason people are into it, but I don't want to pretend like this is all-encompassing here. So this is just one aspect to it, okay? So ego reduction, it's a way to relieve yourself of narcissism basically and allow yourself to trust a partner on a rather large scale like kind of a huge scale i mean even admitting you're into humiliation is humiliating for a lot of people and in order to do that you're trusting them not to take it to a place where it's not okay then you're they're not gonna crush you as a person or shame you in a way that is not desirable, basically. So that's a lot of trust already. But in order to act on this stuff, you're basically putting a lot of trust in them and you're trusting them to control your mental space, which is kind of amazing and kind of huge. Um, If you think about like meditations, um, guided meditations, if you think about all those different places that you can take your mind to in all sorts of situations, this is another one of those. So humiliation is a, is a way to get in to what a lot of people refer to as subspace. So why do we want to go into a place where you're relieved of your ego, where you're relieved of everything in your mind telling you who you are and how you're supposed to be? Well, releasing that control and letting go is like It's like a weight lifted off your shoulders. It's releasing all of this responsibility that you have in life. If you were raised with like this blanket of expectations of don't have sex till you're married, don't wear anything inappropriate, you'll tempt the boys, all of these things placed on you, being able to like be like, no, I'm no longer responsible for what I'm doing. I'm able to let this go, let all of this pressure and expectations and the shame of it all is no longer on me. 
that is what is happening and that is the beautiful thing about this entire space that you can enter mentally right to be able to like just lose yourself in the moment and the pleasure and the joy to not have all these things and thoughts going through your brain of if it's your fault or your responsibility or if you're doing something wrong is so beautiful and it just allows you to really enjoy your time and when it's with a partner and when it's a sexual experience like the level of bonding that potentially can happen is insane and it's beautiful and perfection so like i said this isn't fully encompassing but it does cover part of like why humiliation is enjoyable and i really wanted to talk about that because for me that was one of the hardest things to accept that i was into and it's really hard for a lot of people and i think a lot of people have questions like is it bad or weird that i'm into this why would i like this and until you understand like where it comes from it can be hard to accept So of course you can be into being name-called and slightly humiliated without needing to enter like a headspace. And typically these things happen a lot with hookups and you never enter a headspace. So want to be clear about that. You can't enjoy it without going so deep. Because let's be honest, sometimes it's really hot just to feel like a sexual monster or a dirty slut. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it is important to talk about the deeper stuff and the psychology behind it and some of those deeper underlying reasons that we like doing these things. And I also want to mention that reaching subspace happens in so many different ways. And this is just one avenue to get there. So there's a lot of different ways to get there. There's a lot of different things you can combine to get there. But humiliation is one of those things that I think a lot of people are very self-conscious or can be very self-conscious about and wonder what's wrong with them for wanting these types of things or wanting to be put through certain types of things to feel that. And it's totally normal and there are totally decent and fine explanations for why a person might be interested in feeling those ways. I also want to mention that you have to understand the trust that is involved with this. Because if you're the person trusting another person, you're being extremely vulnerable because you're literally letting go of your mental space for a while. And anything that comes in can have serious impacts on you as a person. If you're somebody who is being trusted with this, that is a whole new demon, my friends. You can literally crush a person's spirit if you're not careful. If you make fun of them or shame them in a way that makes this worse, if you do it in a way that you're not taking that responsibility from them, but you're putting more onto them, you've literally just severely harmed a person so you have to be very careful with this whole thing you have to make sure that there's a lot of trust there but it's really important for people to understand and I think that even if you're not somebody that's into this it's not something a lot of people will talk about but it's good to understand and not judge others for what they're into right and where they came from right so yes I finally really embraced and understood this after I had my first experience with it because for a long time I wasn't sure if I was into it or not if it was just fantasy because a lot of for a lot of people this stuff is never put into practice and it just remains like a like a fantasy in their head but bunny was (laughs) was the one who really brought it out and (laughs) yeah I'm definitely into it so so that's a thing so I think This episode, we're going to talk about sugar consent and 
BDSM, and I kind of want to start getting into that. So without further ado, I'm so excited you guys are here for this week's episode of Sugar Pussy on Thirsty Thursday. I am your host, Ellie Ray. sugar relationships and sex and sometimes bdsm i can tell you right now that there are plenty of people on seeking arrangements and interested in sugar who are into bdsm and who practice it however i can also say that only three sugar daddies i've been with have been interested in the slightest in anything bdsm and the most I've had a go-to was, well, there's been there's been a lot of power dynamics. A lot of them will like some of that. I've had a lot of potential sugar daddies express interest in VDSM, but most most people I talk to, I never actually get involved with. I actually never even meet most of them. So it, to me, it appears like maybe 40% of them on seeking arrangements are interested in that. But in my experience and in all of the ones I've had, I've only ever met and been with three who have any interest and two of them it was very very slight there was my first experience where I was restrained but literally that was it like my hands got tied behind my back and I was blindfolded and that was it then David who took me to New York City was into it a little bit but not a lot. He just liked a little bit of submissive behavior. He did break out some restraints once. That was really fun. Um, but we had we had a solid connection, and the sex was pretty much good without it. And then the other one, he just has a lot of toys in general. Um, he's into some pretty interesting stuff. He was always interested in recording, and I know when he first asked me about this, I was very against it. I had never, ever been okay with something like that before, and... It really made me nervous. I like I had grown up with that whole never let anybody take a video of you doing anything because it'll end up on the internet. It will ruin your life. So that's what I'd grown up hearing and believing. So I was very much against it. However, the more that I was with him, the more I trusted him and the more my guards came down. And I never, he never did anything without my consent and he never tried anything without my consent, but he did push my limits. And Eventually, I was letting him record, but I'd have a mask on or my face would not be in the camera. Then, slowly, those walls came down as well. And I will say that now, I love recording. I love watching myself do that kind of things. I think it's super hot, and it's really fun to share with somebody. It's really fun to share with other people. So, those walls incredibly got broken down, and it was entirely thanks to him. I honestly don't know at what point in my life I would have overcome that kind of thinking and tried it with a partner, or if I ever would have. So that was kind of cool. And I have noticed that the sugar daddies who are into BDSM and trying new things get a ton of enjoyment out of watching you experience things for the first time. So a lot of their enjoyment is less in the actual sexual act, and it's more in, wow, this person is really open and is trusting me to show them new things, blah, blah, blah. The other thing I've noticed is the sugar daddies who are not so worried about that, and actually pretty much all of them, 
this is what I always like to say. Men seem to hit the age 40 and fall in love with eating pussy. (laughs) That is really, in my experience, not an exaggeration. Half the time and most of the sugar dates and sugar arrangements that I'm sexual with, most of the time is just spent them eating me out. And I'm not going to complain about that. Because also, they've gotten some, like, (laughs) experience under their belt, so it's usually pretty enjoyable. So that's been my experience with sugar and with BDSM, is that the ones who are into it are really into it, and they want you to explore, and they want to push your limits. The ones who are not, they just want a casual, sexy time, basically. They want to be able to joke around, it be casual, and they really want to eat your pussy. So Now, I want to talk about sugar relationships and consent because in my experience it can be a little weird within my own mind when something like money is involved. However, I believe this to be something that society and culture has done to me rather than the actual arrangement. So let's start from the beginning really quickly of these arrangements. First of all, a sugar arrangement, a sugar relationship, does not equal being paid for sex. There are a lot of people out there who have a sugar daddy or a sugar mama and never sleep with them. So being in a sugar arrangement or sugar relationship 100% does not equal being paid for sex. It does equal being paid for your time, being paid for your personality, being paid for what you offer them with human connection. That is what sugar dating in a sugar relationship is. So with that being said, you meet somebody on Seeking Arrangements. And within the first five messages, if they are a decent one, if, you, if there's somebody who knows what they're doing and is probably worth your time, they will ask you straight up if you're okay with intimacy. Now, in this world, intimacy means sex. It's just a term. It's just what they say. I know personally, and hopefully most people can see the difference between sex and intimacy. They're they're very different things. But in this world, when somebody says intimacy, they mean sex. Guaranteed. So within the first five messages, you should be establishing what kind of arrangement this is. This is why these relationships are some of the most refreshing things uh, in this world, (laughs) honestly. The communication, the bluntness, the openness, the willingness to just say what you want right up front is why they are so addicting, is why they are so nice and refreshing. It's like a big glass of ice water on a really hot day because in so many relationships that I've been in, communication just doesn't happen. You're worried about what they're going to think of you. You're worried about making them like you. In these situations, it is a clear exchange of something tangible, something you can say. It's money. It's gifts. It's trips for time, closeness, for somebody to listen to them, for somebody to engage with them, for a connection and intimacy. Like, it's such a clear exchange You're able to just, like, say, hey, this is what I have. This is what I can offer. This is what I want. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. No feelings hurt because this is literally within the first five messages. How amazing. 
And why can't everything be like this, honestly? So many relationships get so caught up in games and psychology and just working against each other that people just don't communicate what they want, what they need. What I'm going to say here is that as a sugar baby, it is your job, it is your responsibility, it is necessary for your safety to be 100% honest, upfront, what you're okay with and what you're not okay with, what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do, what you want, what you need, everything. Do not be seduced by money. Do not be seduced by what seeking arrangements says is their net worth. There will always be more people. You be honest with what you're willing to do. If you are not going to sleep with them, you fucking tell them and you find somebody who is just looking for company. You don't elude You don't play games. You be honest. The reason this is so important, and I'm going to stress this so hard, is because this relationship, this arrangement is not built on liking somebody. It's not built on caring for somebody. It is built on the agreements made initially. The agreements made initially is the entire foundation of these arrangements. It requires open communication and honesty upfront. And because it's such a disconnected exchange, every relationship is an exchange. But this is such a tangible exchange. This is something that you'll sprout and grow feelings for each other naturally after this is done if it's meant to be, which it's not always meant to be. But if it is, that will happen after the foundation. It's not what the relationship is built on. Okay. The other beautiful thing about this that I want to talk about really quickly is that because of this initial open communication and because you're being this honest with each other this early on, it is a perfect opportunity and it's a perfect time to start analyzing them, their behavior, and their treatment of you. So if they are showing signs or showing red flags that they're not respecting you, that they're not taking no well, that they are impatient that they don't respect your time, how busy you are, your other relationships, that they don't respect what you're willing or not willing to do, everything. You analyze that, and if something makes you uncomfortable, you leave. That's the beautiful thing about these conversations happening so early on. You don't feel like you're you don't feel like you're losing anything, and it's a lot easier and more comfortable if you're somebody who doesn't like telling somebody no. It's a lot easier and more comfortable when you don't when you haven't been taking up a lot of their time or you haven't asked anything of them yet. It's a lot easier to tell them no or to tell them you're not interested. So getting all this stuff out and up front and out of the way, being able to analyze them right away for red flags and bad signs all leads to the arrangement working, you being safe, etc. All very important. And honestly, listen to your gut with these things. If somebody is being unprofessional or not respecting you bounce just drop them there's always more people there to talk to there's always better ones out there it's worth it's worth waiting for the right one to come along as cheesy as that sounds the last thing that i'm going to say and talk about is that consent is really really important in any situation in any circumstances and it's really important that you speak up for yourself you say no when you want to say no You stop things when you want to stop things. 
and you don't let influences like an allowance or like gifts or you don't tell yourself that you can't. You always can and you always have that choice and it's really, really important you stay true to yourself with these kind of things. I personally have experience and personally know what it's like to feel pressured into continuing with something I didn't want to continue. Deciding not to say no to something because I needed the money. And this is a dark side of these arrangements. It's a dark side that if I ignored and didn't talk about, I would be doing myself, this podcast, and any listeners, present or future, a disservice. Because that pressure does exist. It's very, very real. And the worst part is that the bad sugar daddies know that it's a very real pressure. And the type of people to be drawn to this kind of situation are the kind of people who are easily influenced, easily persuaded, like giving, are good givers, and don't like conflict. So it's really easy to just manipulate somebody like that with making a big deal about the allowance. If you are somebody who says it's 500 a date, and then that person's like, oh man, I don't know if I can swing that, like, or it better be worth it, winky face. A comment like, it better be worth it, winky face, is enough to make somebody feel things, like seriously feel things, and to feel pressured, immense pressure. It's those tiny little comments that go way further than you think they would and are dangerous and you have to look out for it. That's a red flag right there. Somebody said that to me, I would either confront them about it or I would just tell them I'm no longer interested and leave. And that is me now. That is me having done this for a while and that is me not feeling financial pressure to be doing this. I understand being in a financial situation where you need these sugar dates to happen and I'm here saying that that is not a healthy reason to be sugar dating. Is it nice to receive an allowance? Is this enjoyable? Does it feel good? Do you get an intense satisfaction from the level of desire you feel from somebody literally willing to pay to be with you? It's amazing. It's 100% amazing for sure. But when you feel like you need it and you don't have any other options, you put yourself into more compromising situations. And that is when it gets tricky and that is when it gets dangerous and that is when you have to be extra picky and extra aware of your situation. That is how bad things happen to people and that is what we don't want to happen. So just because you need it financially doesn't mean you can't do sugar dating safely and get all those great things from it too. It just means that you have to be extra aware of yourself and what you're doing to yourself. And it can be harder to say no to situations that are going to be very bad ones. It's just really important to think about these things before you get into them. It's important to have kind of a checklist, either mental or a physical checklist, um, that you go through with each potential sugar daddy that you're going to date and make sure that you're staying true to it. Um, are they respectful? Does it match my expectations and demands? Um, is it what I want? Like all these things, you need to create this list for yourself. And it is ideal 
to <laughs> to create this list before you ever even start. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Sugar Pussy. As always, you guys, go to Instagram, go to Twitter, and look up at Sugar Puss Pod and click that follow button if you haven't already. Also, pinned on my Twitter page is a form you can fill out asking me questions, telling me comments, giving me criticism, telling me what I'm doing fantastic, whatever you want. You can go and anonymously fill that form out. Please do so. I would love to hear from you. I would love to answer some questions if you have them. It can be relationships. It can be sex. It can be BDSM. It can be sugar dating. It can be poly for all I care. All I will answer anything. If it's non-sex related, I'll probably answer that too. Either DM me or use the anonymous form you can find on my Twitter. And also go tell me what I am failing miserably at or tell me what you like. Tell me how I can be better. Um, There's a lot of improving I can do. I know that. But it's really hard to improve when I don't know exactly how. (laughs) And you guys are in the best position to let me know how to do that for you guys because this show is for you guys. But anyway, you guys, thank you for being here. Thank you for the support. I love you so much. And I will see you guys next week on Thirsty Thursday for episode seven of Sugar Pussy. Oh, I love a good sugar pussy. (laughs)